to end if love remains a unique show spotlighting people ideas science culture and art your host mike lovett mike lovett yes rachel you are listening to that great podcast, In the Sky and If Love Remains. This is Mike Levitt, your sometimes virtuous, occasionally vile, always virile host. And with your hope, help, and hope, both, I guess, we will go viral by doing that thing that you do, by subscribing and sharing. And and uh, we've got a great program on today. I'm, I'm pumped up to have the Teacher of Liberty back on, Joe Wolverton, Dr. Joe Wolverton, uh, he's got a new podcast that you got to check out. Check it out on YouTube, Teacher of Liberty. Um, he's also uh, quite the writer. You can uh, find his his work at the New American um, as well as other places. Um, but what I love about you, Joe, what I love about having you on is you always bring stuff back to principles. And I think that's what we need more than anything is to just incorporate liberty principles into our lives. Yeah, I agree. It's it's um, we could even even the things that divide us would not divide us anymore if we could settle upon certain key principles of good government of justice. And if we could do that, we could solve you know ninety percent easy of the the you know the civil discord that's happening. And uh, so taking it back to principles is the easiest way to do that because then you can discern between distinct groups that want certain things and make sure that we are collected together in those groups so that we don't have constant violence and constant political intrigue and and tyranny of any sort you know and so that people feel heard in their government which is essential to good government is that the people feel that they've contributed to the laws they're expected to live under. And I don't feel that way in the United States. I don't no. feel like, I mean, that's such know. an alien idea right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, in fact, and I don't want to go into this too deeply. I just saw, um, you know, SBF got, you know, he, all of his charges were, were taken away. You know, there's a guy that, that defrauded people of millions of dollars you know, basically yeah. uses as a as a slush fund for the Democrats, and mm-hmm. and and again, I don't want to go into it, but the idea that that of course because of what he was doing and who he knew, I mean, we really we live in a cacatocracy. Uh, What's that word? Cacistocracy. There we go. Cacistocracy, where we're ruled by the worst of us. And, yeah. You know, to me, like um, it, it just shows like I we really have no say. Uh, we we live in an anarchy, anarchal tyranny kind of situation where it's just the worst for for everybody, um, and and I love what we're going to talk about today um, with with Cato's letters because um, you know while it may may not have been as acute, I guess it was to them because they they took action immediately mm-hmm. and started writing mm-hmm. letters, but man, the things they say just resonate so well today. 
Yeah. The, and the thing that I, you know, in the article, uh, the new American, uh, which is people always ask me, it's the new American.com. It's like not, if you go to new American.com, it's a different organization. So the new American, um, the, um, I mention. I'm say your question again, Mike. Oh, I was just saying that that the the kind of the kind of uh, oh, society yeah, that we live in. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. Go. I mentioned in the article that if you go to like the table of content, you can pick out. You know, it's not you don't have to read it in order. It's not a it's not a novel that if you skip ahead, you know, you'll lose the story. But it's you can just look at the table of contents and say, I'm interested in you know, reading about their take on freedom of speech. I'm interested in their take on freedom of the press. I'm interested in their take on uh, militarism. I'm interested in their take, you know, just all kinds of things. And uh, you can just go to the table of contents, scan for something that interests you. And they're just letters to the editor. So they, you know, they're very short and just punchy and well worth the time. And, and well, you know, inarguably... I mean, there are historians who argue that without them, there would have been no war for independence. That's that's quite a statement. I, and I can see why, because what they say is so, again, it goes back to like irreducible principle, like mm -hmm. first principle, like, like mm -hmm. you know, the, the fact that a the government is created by the people and not, and he talks about this in this letter we're going to discuss in 138 where, where, you know, one of the things they really emphasized was that the government came from the people and not from um, a governor that was going to do his will. Yeah. And this was the last, the very last one. Now I know there's going to be someone clever. That's like, no, they wrote five more. <laughs> they didn't. This was it. And it's called their farewell. You know, if you look they literally called it, you know, Cato's farewell or farewell to Cato or something like that. And um, the the last few they are they are sometimes numbered, I think through one forty four maybe. But those were written by Thomas Gordon, and they're not the same. They're they're a different. He takes a little bit of a different turn. Um, so officially, Cato's letters is 138 is the last one. And it was literally 300 years ago yesterday, Mike. And the things in it could have been written yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Like instead of 300 years ago yesterday, it could have literally been yesterday. Right. One of the things I, I enjoyed um, once in a while is that I'll see one of your TikTok videos where you do, you know, what did, what did Treacher and oh, yeah. write today? <laughs> you know, and it applies every time. Yeah. It's literally every time that, you know, I pick a date, it's like something applicable to our time. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this letter um, and okay. let's talk about a little bit of their, their legacy. Um, okay. I, I mean, the first two paragraphs are so powerful to me um, where he kind of just says where they say, um, let's see, uh, let, me, let me just kind of jump down here a little bit. Um, as I think I have unanswerably shown uh, that civil governments were instituted by man, just like what we were talking about, instituted by man and for the sake of men and not for the pride and lust of governors. And consequently that men have a right to expect from, from them protection and Liberty and oppose uh, rapine and, and tyranny wherever they are exercised and have thereby vindicated. So in other words, they're, they're saying, I, I have vindicated this study, this, these words, you know, by, by 
only presenting this information that, that, you know, this, these principles that, that we should be governed by ourselves and not for the, the lusts of the governor. Well, it doesn't, I mean, you start, in, this is why I tell people to read the declaration of independence before they, and understand that before they set out on the constitution, the, the idea that equal, that if we're all equal, the idea that someone would be born, born into this world with a right to rule over me makes no sense. It doesn't make, then we're not all equal and that's a big lie. And, you know, but if we are all equal, then why would any person ever give another, another person power to bind that person by the things the other person says? Why would, I mean, and I remember I always ask this question and people are like kind of stuck. Like, yeah, why would someone do that? Well, why do you hire a personal assistant? Why do you hire a secretary? Can you do all the things they do? Yeah, of course. Of course you can. But why do you hire someone to do them for you? To free you up. Yeah, exactly. To give you more time, to free you up to do. And that's why we created government. So that I don't have to be walking my property 24 hours a day. So that I don't have to be on guard for regard to my rights, uh, contracts, for example. And those sorts of things that I can have elect and then you start thinking okay well who would i want to who would i want to do that like the way i always tell people is imagine that you had you know a a a vault somewhere and it was filled with the riches of the world worth billions but the only stipulation is you you can't you can only visit once every 2 years and you have to pick two people to give keys to that. Mm-hmm. Who would you pick? And if you wouldn't choose that person to give him access to that room that you're, you know, three thousand miles away from your from your vault, those guys can get away with stealing stuff because you don't have an inventory of what's in the vault. You just know it's crazy valuable and guaranteed more money than, you know, you could ever use. Who would you trust with keys to it? And if you wouldn't trust someone with keys to that, then you shouldn't vote for that person. Right. And, and the, I think the other side of that is just like any person we might hire to do a job for us, that we reserve the right to fire that same person. And so if that person that we have hired to, to carry those keys are now unworthy, then it is our right and responsibility to remove that person from office. Right. Because ultimately the vault, and this is the danger of having people in office too long. They begin to see the vault as theirs. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, do you remember how the steward of Gondor started thinking of himself as king? Right. Right. And you know, Gandalf was like, mm, with respect, you're not the king. Right. And he got really defensive about that. And so it's sort of like that. You leave people in office too long and they start to see that as their office, not a job they've been hired to do. They start to see it as this is mine. Right. And that's the danger. And so frequent elections was the, you know, the 
historically, I mean, we're talking for thousands of years, historically, the key to preventing that. Um, but yeah, if you hire someone to do a job, well, it's obviously your right to fight. You could even, you could not only fire the person and hire someone else, you could make it where you just like, you know what? I don't need a personal assistant and just get mm -hmm. rid of the position altogether. Right. All of that's within your, you know, that's all within your right. Now you take it in, think about, you want to know how tyrannical we are. If I hired a personal assistant and I fired him, he might be able to sue me for firing him. That's right. You know, and that's how we know we're not in a free market society is that I shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to sue. I mean, should, would it be wrong? Yes, but we can't punish all wrongs. Right. And if I hire someone, I should be able to fire. It doesn't make, it's a, it's an act of socialism for the government to stand between me and anyone that I give some of my inherent independent you know sovereignty to mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be possible but the idea being the pure idea being yes if i fire you if i hire you i can fire you and i can think of a new way to do business i'm like you know a personal assistant didn't cut it i think what i need is a secretary mm -hmm. and basically what i'm explaining to you is the declaration of independence Right. I was just going to say, man, read the Declaration of Independence. And that's exactly yeah. what we're talking about is. I think people just get daunted. They're just right. like, ugh, the language. But, but, it's, but it's pretty, I think it's pretty plain. King George, you're not doing your job. You're, you're, you're not only are you not doing your job, but you're now, you know, imposing your will upon us. And we have every right to leave this. We, yeah. and, and, and if you accept that right, there should be no war. It should be a peaceful separation. And you unfortunately, tyrants don't like peaceful separations. Right. If you want to read something that will really, I think, was very influential. I mean, I know the whole set of Cato's letters. Every one of them was reprinted in every American newspaper uh, at the time. But if you want to go, there's... I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but they have a number talking about uh, on colonies, talking about what colonies are, what they are not. Using Trenchard and Gordon's definition, the 13 colonies weren't even colonies. And so you can see in the Declaration of Independence and you can see in many. Can you explain? Can you go into that a little bit? Why is that? Why? What, what what's the distinction between a colony and well, an independent state? Well, is someone or a... they're sent by the government for the purpose of enriching or protecting in some way the the mother country, and that the government of the mother country sends them out with particular mission, particular grant of authority, and all of that. That didn't happen. There wasn't, I mean, yes, they had like a royal charter, meaning, yeah, go ahead. But they weren't, you know, James the first didn't say, all right, we need to get a group together. We need to go over there, start making some money. Right. It was a private company that did that. Right. Or and independent far, people, independent religious people that wanted to and then you know, up north, bust yeah, out of there. Say, and then up north, <laughs> it was, they were fleeing. That's why Isaac Berry, that famous speech in parliament, 
when it was he and Charles Townsend going off during, you know, right before the war for independence and Charles Townsend in parliament says, you know, these are our children and they're at, you know, they're mistreating their parents. We planted them and nourished them. And, and Isaac Barry's like, they ran away from us. <laughs> they, they were not children that we were caring for. They ran from us because they wanted to be free to practice their religion. That's hardly us. Yeah. And so we, you read it for yourself, uh, the one on colonies, but basically it comes down to, we don't fit the definition of a group of us sent from England by the king or parliament for the purpose of performing some, making them money or, or gaining new territory. That wasn't it. Now, the Spanish territories in the New World were most definitely territories. However, Jamestown, I mean, I guess if you were a real royalist, you could come up with an ex explanation for Jamestown, but only, no, I don't think really a good one, and definitely not um, Plymouth, and, and definitely not many others. And so, yeah, when I remember, I don't know when I read that the first time, but I was like, we're not even colony. We weren't even colonies. Not as, and then because you read in, um, I'm trying to think if it was Herodotus. It, no, it was uh, Thucydides, the uh, Peloponnesian War. And he has a whole explanation in there about what a colony is. I'm like, there's no way our founding fathers were like, you know, they call themselves colonies and I get it. It was, they were British for the most part and they were used to being, you know, that's where we're from. We're from England. But there were many of them, I think, who recognized we're not really colonies in the classical sense. Mm -hmm. And Cato explained that very well. You can look, it's of colonies or, you know, colonies and plantations or something like that. Well, and I think you see that sentiment growing um, in, um, you know, in, in America, uh, you know, as, as things like the, the, um, uh, the stamp act and, and, you know, after, after the, the, the French Indian war, you know, I think you see that sentiment really growing where they really saw themselves and, and even such things as, as, um, you know, denying governors, their, their rule, you know, their, their you know, or, or putting away, uh, uh, tax men, you know, just saying, no, we're just refusing to abide by Royal dictates. I mean, that was part of the American, our American heritage. Right. And it never, and like I say, there was never a thing where they had to adhere to a document saying you are under the control of parliament and the king that never happened. Yeah. So parliament, they rejected all of those things because parliament literally had no authority. I mean, they used their, the sort of genetic connection to us. They were like, well, you came from here. So? Yeah. So what? Yeah, who cares where we came from? It's where we went, why we went there, who sent us, right? All of that kind of stuff. You, you don't send us. If you read any, any of the classical historians in colonies, well, they're sending stuff to the colonies. You know, they're, that didn't happen. Britain didn't just like supply us with money. It was vice versa. Right. You know? And so anyway, uh, they, 
when you read even the last one like we're talking about today, you can see how this how our founding fathers have been like, mm-hmm, I get you. Right. There's there's some there's a I'm trying I want to find this quote in this letter. It's so it was so powerful. Oh, there we go. I think um what's how is it? What's the start? It, it he where he talks about the superstitions that that he um oh, overcame yeah. through his work and 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 he, and he talks about, you know, um the uh, oh, here it is in this paragraph. It's it's this entire and this is what's wonderful and frustrating, especially as a, a modern reading Cato's letters, as you do have to get used to these long and um, involved sentences. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> um, but but they're powerful. Once you get them, they're really powerful. In this entire paragraph where he talks about um, you know, the 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 many evils and barbarous consequences arising from idle and foolish stories of witches, spirits, apparitions, you know, all these things that we, that we created to scare the people into needing a government or, or some sort of third party to protect us from all these things and these superstitions. And, um, you know, and then he, he goes on, like one of his major purposes was, was to free people's minds from, um, these ideas. I just thought that is such a powerful statement of, of what they were trying to do from a spiritual point of view. Yeah. I wonder who they're talking about in that paragraph where they're like, uh, multitudes of innocents have been murdered under the appearance of justice upon Satan's confederates. Right. Who is he calling Satan's confederates? <laughs> I mean, I guess whoever <laughs> has okayed the you know, the murder of multitudes of innocents. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask Once not whom the bell tolls. It's like every one of those missiles that, you know, that they shoot at from predator drones that kill Muslims in Yemen or Pakistan or Afghanistan or any place like that. On the side, it doesn't say Joe Biden or Barack Obama or George Bush. It says the United States of America. And it is your money that's paying for that. Yeah. Our money. Yeah. You know, that's, like that's, not. yeah. So that's the fact, like, like whether, you know, we can blame, we can do whatever we want, but until we, you know, withhold our money and start pulling people and start, you know, pushing people out of these, these you know, you are not worthy of holding these keys. Yeah, you, it is our know. fault. It's a hundred percent our fault. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is, and that's so often what our founding father says. Like, I don't want that blood on my hands. I don't want to be, you know, the part of the generation that punted. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to sit here and see this happening and do nothing, and then my kids have to fight a war that I could have fought, and then leave them free to to do peaceful things right and so that i'm just satan's confederates maybe that maybe i should write a book and call it satan's confederates and talk That's about all title. the the million or give it to uh what's his name he's on scott your show or, yeah there you go scott horton <laughs> absolutely because it is it, you know man the 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 death that has been done in the name of democracy you know, or, or, Oh, you, you know, know, that's so funny. Yeah. I was reading that last night in Polybius where he's like, once the people have become accustomed to this 
laziness and luxury and being and sort of the the peaceful the the not peaceful but the 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 ease of tyranny he's like the last little gasp that they do is they give they they call them they use two words freedom and democracy and he's like once those two words are used you know turn out the lights the party's over once people have to constantly be told you're free and you're a democracy you're free it's like yeah we're done oh because yeah if you were free in a democracy you wouldn't need to be saying that and reminded of that <laughs> no one comes every day and, and says you're a man joe right right we, we, need, oh, we need we need to force you to get this vaccine so you can become more free don't forget to breathe it's like no i'm just gonna breathe because that's how i stay alive and so yeah when they're like just so you say that about how that comes right before despotism that's exact right out of polybius book six man man see you didn't know how smart you were true principle well it's because i learned true principles man from people like you and true. and and writers like like trencher and gordon true you know all it's of just, us yeah these guys yeah i can't i hope you know one day to be able to meet these guys and give them handshake tell them appreciate it i hope somewhere they know that we appreciate them yeah absolutely uh, what um the other, one of the things that that i think is a um an interesting and actually a very modern feel this is again why it feels so um applicable to today is whenever i'm reading these letters um you know the word equality, the word equity, you know, all the, these words that, that we use today. Well, these people, these two guys, you know, literally felt like we were all children of God and they mm -hmm. literally felt like there was no, and you mentioned this earlier, but I, I think it's an important thing to reemphasize that, that no man has the right to rule based on, because we're all children of that same God. We're all equal in the eyes of God. We're not equal in ability. We're not equal in, in temperament or in any other way, but we are equal in, 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 um, sovereign power. And that means that I cannot dictate to you what to do. You can't dictate to me. And, and if I give you permission to, to do something, I have the right at any time to revoke that permission. Um, but you see that, 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 um, idea of, of every man being equal throughout their writings. Like, like mm -hmm. we are men and we should stand up as men and, um, not allow others to, to, to take away that, that which is rightfully ours. The weird thing is the other day on a, and we were talking about it earlier, that show that I appeared on and the host was asking about what two things I would say to Americans. What was funny was one of the things I was going to say, and I didn't because I, you know, kind of sensed that that wasn't where he wanted the show to go. But one of the things, if you read, I don't care which one of the P of the books, for example, and I'm just using this as an example to make it an easy sort of subset that I'm talking about. If you read every book in the founder's recipe, for example, every one of those guys mentions as one of the first signs that it's done that your your republic your democracy your whatever is done is effeminacy i 
dare you, I triple dog dare you to read any of them. Any of those guys that are in that book, all of them to a man will say, effeminacy is one of those first signs of, yeah, you're done. And if that doesn't fit our day, I don't know what does. Man, absolutely. And I I remember getting uh, scolded by a female teacher because I had that, I had a quotation written on my board that mentioned that. And she's like, you know, that's hurtful to both women and, you know, people who don't, people whose gender is fluid. And I'm like, yeah, you, you just said a bunch of things I don't understand. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and follow Hugo well, Grotius instead of miss whatever the Spanish teacher. And, and the fact is, is that, and, and this is just a fact of nature. Like this is, this is one of those natural laws yeah. that you cannot overcome is that a society that has been feminized, that has been um, demasculinized, um, will be overcome by a society that is masculine. It just will. And, and it has over time, every time. And there's no, there's no way around that. Like, again, because I, I uh, heard something actually this morning, a guy made a great point about, you know, government was, was created by men who had mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. I mean, if you're a man, you've got mouths to feed, you need to, you know, you would like to have somebody that you can trust to take care of security so that you go out and feed those mouths. Yeah. Know? I mean, you think about it like in Tacitus, when he talks about, you know, in his book, Germania, and he talks about how the chief of the, of the particular, you know, community, tr- they call them tribes, how the chief, um, you know, he would be responsible. He would have to be away from his farm sometimes to negotiate with other chiefs to keep, you know, because the idea was keep us out of war, keep people from invading. So we can just sit here on our farm and be peaceful and have food to eat and just relax. And that taxes, if you want to call them that, were voluntary because, and and it had two salutary effects. First, if the chief and sometimes they called him prince, if he did a good job, that is to say he kept you out of war, he kept people from invading, he you know, fed himself, did it, kept his farm up, then the people of the tribe would willingly contribute to help make up the difference that there would be in his ability to produce from his own farm because he was doing things on your behalf. And so the people would... And, he, and Tacitus says, you could always tell the good chief from the bad because the good chief was chief for a long time and always had plenty because the people were very happy to give a little bit of their surplus to a guy who was baking it where they could have a surplus. And so you can imagine a government like that where you know the guy and the guy has very limited authority. He knows what it is. You know what it is. And if he and you know that he's going to have to take time to do stuff that otherwise you'd have to do for yourself and probably not be able to do it as well because you'd be pulled a thousand different ways because you do have mouths to feed. You know, you're willing to say, you know what, you're doing great, buddy, and I want you to keep doing it. So here, have, 
you know, have a couple of goats on me or, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. if everybody in the village does that, that's, that's pretty sweet. That's keeping yeah. everybody free. That's there's no coercion and you get to be prosperous and peaceful. Pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. And I mean, and that's, and, and he's doing a good job. Like in other words, he's, he's literally doing a job that, um, yeah on behalf of the people. And, and, and as long as it's voluntary, like that's the, to me, it's, it's all about the liberty is the idea that you have not um, given up your right to withdraw. As long as well, you can withdraw. Give, yeah. You know, it is it, the whole thing. If you give them, if you give them the right to take from you, right. And, and they, take more and you don't resist that and say, yep, this is over. Then philosophically you've given them the right to take everything you own. Because if you said yes, you, and we don't, no one pays taxes, man. There's no one since 19, what was it? 54. No one since then pays taxes. It's, when that payroll tax act was signed that required employers to pay the government before they paid you, you that's when we quit paying taxes and that's when taxes were first taken. And why did they do it? Because a lot of people wouldn't pay their taxes. Right. But you know, that's just the way it is. Maybe do a better job. Maybe not, you know, maybe not somehow expect 300 million people to be happy with your job. Cause they're not going to be. Right. Absolutely. And, and especially if you're sending their sons off to war, if you're, you know, uh, you're, you're inflating the money, um, making us all poor. I okay. But those things you just mentioned, sending us all to war, inflating our money, making us all poor. Literally they have Cato has a letter about all. I mean, I'm just saying, honestly, no, I love it. you can, go there. You can get, no, no. I just, the point I was just thinking when you said, I'm like, Someone could go to the table of contents of these things and find, you know, what it is about these people who seem to love making other people die in wars, but they don't themselves pick up so much as a sword and how public debt is an evil, how giving private corporation power over your monetary system is evil and destructive of liberty. I mean, all the things you just said, they have at least one letter on that topic. Well, I think it makes you smarter. It makes you smarter, man. I, I'm so smart. <laughs> you really are. I mean, they talk about in this 138. One of my favorite parts that no one really talks about with regard to Trenchard and Gordon is the part where they talk about education. And you know, I know they're known obviously and for a good reason as sort of political commentators, but they went off on education in this final letter 138 they they i mean they just took it i mean and i wrote in that article that i wrote about it i'm like this could have been written yesterday because he's like um uh nor can i you know he's talking about how well if you go up to the top of that paragraph it's certain that the capacities of men would carry them much farther than they are suffered to go if they were not cramped by custom and narrow education 
and by narrow principles taken from those who design. That's an important thing to Cato. These people are doing it on purpose and mm -hmm. derive advantages from their ignorance, right? Knowledge will forever govern ignorance. You can't be ignorant and free. I have therefore lamented to see men of large and extensive genius, such as seem designed by nature to carry human knowledge many degrees further than is gone, seem designed to manumit their country and mankind from the servile and wicked notions infusing them by prating pendants and babbling impostors. And he says, I've lamented to do it because they don't use that good mind that God gave them to set their people free. They use it to take advantage of their people because knowledge will forever govern ignorance. If I know something and you don't know it, I mean, why was the Bible not translated into English for all those years? Right. Because if I'm the only one that can read the magic book and the book that you believe God wrote and God tells you how to get to heaven, but you can't read it and I can and you believe that I'm call, I'm wearing special clothes and I speak for God and I say, the magic book says you have to pay me. And they're like, okay, I don't want to go to hell. The magic book doesn't say that. Right. But that's why they kept it from being translated into vulgar, meaning common languages, is because, well, you're going to destroy our ability to fool these people into supporting us financially. Yep. And well, so that's what he said. You know, you got these people that are great minds. Think of Bill Gates. Instead of enslaving the world, he could use his mind to set us free. He could use his money to set. But instead of that, he does what? Such capacities employed and conversing about whims. I mean, think about Bill Gates, idle speculations, empty notions, fairy dreams, party distinction, all of this intending to contract and embitter the mind, stifle and oppress the faculties, and render men dupes and machines to ambition, pride, and avarice of selfish and haughty ecclesiastics, or corrupt statesmen. Man, that is so right on. That describes our day so perfectly because you think about, you know, I'm a Republican, therefore everything Republicans do are good. I'm a Democrat. Everything the Democrats do are good. I mean, we, we fight against each other in these babbling and and stupid things. I mean, I, remember, I don't have a better they word. They know what they're doing. Right. It, it is, is by design. Design. Yep. There, this is not because even Jefferson said in the declaration, right? People are going to make mistakes. If they make mistakes, you don't throw your government off for light and transient causes. But when you see a design, you see a purposeful year after year, the same thing. And then, well, Trenchard and Gordon also have lots of letters about the dangers of political parties. You I mean you want, ooh, you know, I just thought John, Thomas Gordon translated Sallust. And the uh, speeches of Cicero uh, in ca in the Catiline uh, case, the Catiline conspiracy, and in that collection, in that translation of his, which man, that now that I think about it, that needs to be retyped because in that collection, he he attaches to that at the beginning before he does the translation of Sallust, he attaches some uh, uh, essays that he wrote. And one of them is about the dangers of political parties. Dude, it's so much better than anything you, you could write. And it's so good. And it's still so true. 
And it's the same thing. And they have a Cato's letter, a couple of Cato's letters, you know, that say, if you're a supporter of John and John does something, it's fine. If, if, if the other party, if Steve does it, it's horrible. But if your guy, you know, your guy does it, it's fine. The other guy does it, it's terrible. Yep. No one, no one enacted more gun restrictions than Ronald Reagan. Right. You know, it's funny. I, I remember thinking this as a kid, you know, listening to Rush Limbaugh, you know, and, and, you know, he was, a, he, at the time he was a local guy in Sacramento. Oh, yeah, from out there, yeah. Yeah. And, but it, but it, it was, fa- it, I, it bothered me. I, I, I couldn't pinpoint why. I mean, I could probably, I could see the hypocrisy of it, but it just yeah. bothered me that like you were able to justify anything that your team did and always, you know, justify, um, you know, uh, destruction for the other team for the exact same thing. And it, it always bothered me that, that kind of hypocrisy. Well, it should, because it is hypocrisy. It's, you know, hypocrite is just a Greek word meaning actor. Mm -hmm. Well, and we Um, see that now we see, you know, for so long, it was the Republicans that were the war hawks that were going to spread democracy across the world. And the leftists were peaceful and make love, not war. And now we see, oh, wait, no, we've got to go save the, the, the non-democracy from being a democracy in Ukraine and, and we're going to start World War III. And it's, it, it's the same thing. Like, well, either that or Zelensky needed to – I mean, all of us need three condos in Miami. <laughs> I mean, it's only fair. He's, you know. Right. I mean, he, he he did pay good money for that for uh, that, that support. You know what? You know, here's the deal, though. You know how we send like billions. I mean, every day I read, and, and you know, King Joe the first he he makes another royal decree: forty billion, forty million, seven hundred million, and just every day is a new little check he's writing. This is the thing that I'm wondering: how come we? I get, okay, you want to tyrannically steal money and send it to foreign countries. Why aren't those governments sending us money? Where's the foreign aid coming back this way? I mean, we're 40 whatever trillion in debt. Shouldn't we be able to go and say, hey, we need some money too. So how about you guys raise some taxes and send them over here? There's There's literally no country in the history of the world more broke than ours right now. Yeah, but trip typical Trenchard and Gordon. What one thing I love giving them credit for because they deserve they deserve more credit than I could ever. I mean, it's like uh, when Jefferson was talking about um, praising Sydney. He's like, "This is going to sound ridiculous because here I am using my little breath when there's a gale constantly blowing about how wonderful this guy is." So. <laughs> Me praising Trinchard and Gordon, they're probably like, what do you say? Huh? You know, there's like, don't wake me for that dude saying I'm a good writer. But um, they do provide, they do provide um, solutions. And he says, you know, after you talk about how these people are using their minds to enslave and keep their people ignorant, to contract and embitter their minds, stifle them, to keep them dupes, to corrupt states statesmen then he says but i can't see this evil can ever be cured until we change the education of our youth let gentlemen be bred 
by gentlemen, not by monks and pedants, whom yet I would suffer to dream on with their bellies full of college ale, their heads full of college distinction, but I think they ought not be trusted with the education of our nobility and gentry till they have some themselves. <laughs> Dude, if, if you've ever been in a high school or any elementary school, talking about people that shouldn't be entrusted to education until they have some, and talking about how gentlemen should be bred by gentlemen. It's that uh, Spartan story about how the, one of the Spartan kings, they he was really into philosophy. And some people are like, why won't you talk to Philophanes? He's a really good philosopher. He's here visiting. Why won't you talk to him? He's like, I wouldn't have anybody as my tutor who I wouldn't also want as my father. Right. And that's essentially what they're saying here. They're like, um, I don't think we should have the people who are teaching our kids teaching our kids. Well, and there are such clear signs of that decay. Um, you know, you just you just did a podcast. You put it out yesterday on um, St. George Tucker. And part of that, yeah. you mentioned the, the uh, oh, the the book you put, you held up, the the. Um, oh, scholar's handbook, scholar's handbook. Mm -hmm. And you read from the introduction from that, you mm -hmm. know, about how allowing words to get into you and, and, and into your soul. And, um, right. it was so deep. And this was, you know, as you mentioned, like for third graders third and now, graders, yeah. right. And now we look at what we're giving third graders, you know, about, you know, how to, uh, perform fellatio on people on how yeah. to, um, you know, completely everything to to destroy our society i mean if a third grader if two third grade boys are acting up and the teacher says one to hey what's going on and if that boy says he hit me he'd be like don't say he say they <laughs> right like that's literally happening here that's mm -hmm. not a book that i wrote and people are gonna go oh my gosh that'll never happen but i tell you one thing if you had given, if you had told me that when I was 18, that someday you can get censured and even fired for calling a boy he and a girl she, I'd be like, come on. There is no way that would happen. But. And, and that's why when I read Cato's letters, like it is cool water going on a hot day. Because oh, yeah. you read them and you just, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm grounded again. I can like, you know, it's, it's like reading scripture because you feel like, okay, there are people, I'm not insane. I'm not being gaslit so bad that, that, you know, I, I am seeing what I'm really seeing. Um, because I think that's another part of it. People who haven't read this stuff, they don't, they don't realize how bad they're getting gaslit and how terrible they, they, they see it and then they think the answer is to like go run for school board or, or go and, and, and yell at the, at the, at the local you know school board when the answer is to pull your damn kid out. Yeah. There's, you're not going to re <laughs> this is, this is the thing I don't, I think it's people say this because a, they don't really want to reform school because it's like those people who say, yeah, I wish the constitution were, were followed. Mm, you really don't, you really don't want that. Right. 
you you don't want it but i get that it's you know you like the people that do want it and so you want to say and it feels like that's the kind of people you want to be and maybe you're aspirational you know you want to want it but people i think for the most part realize that the only way to at all affect the public education system is to pull your kid out and but if you did that then mom is going to have to stay home and mom doesn't spend a lot of time with her kids now and i don't think and you know she's going to be like uh, i need you know xanax or i can't deal with these kids and she's going to be she, like and her mom didn't spend time with her so she right. doesn't know right. it's been do. you know three four generations right. and then she's and then she's like okay now i have to buy curriculum because we have to make sure that homeschool is heavy on the school light on the home and you know it gets causes tension and all of this and and plus you lose that second income which sucks and so it's like the people who want to claim to change the system change it you have to get rid of because there is no change you don't have enough money are you going to write the billions in grants to the teachers union? Because if you can't, then shut up. Right. Because you're not going to do anything. And the only way you're going to make a dent, the only way is by pulling, refusing to participate. That that was such a um, eye-opening thing for me is, is, you know, because, you know, I'm, an American at heart. And so I feel like, you know, I can change the world and, you know, I had got that yeah. optimistic attitude. It, 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 it's such a, um, in a way it becomes freer to realize, no, I mean, Moloch has control of DC. There's, there's nothing, there's, there's literally nothing that I can do to solve the trajectory. And if you read the Bible, it's really true. The Bible says like there are people just caught up in the wave of, of um, you know, of whatever the society is going and there's nothing that they can do other than what they can do, which in our case is, you know, we can't pull our kids out. We can try to find a way to, um, you know, be self-sufficient as much as we can. We can try to find a way to gather around people who are like-minded um, and associate with those people and disassociate with others. Um, I mean, and you, you should, I mean, it's one thing. It's like the, the, I hate this phrase because people overuse it, but the cognitive dissonance of, I want a peaceful country, but those damn Democrats. Mm-hmm. No, you don't want a peaceful country, man. You want everybody to be Republican. Right. There's a big difference, right? It's the whole Tacitus. They they destroy your country and then say, see, we brought peace to your country. That was the Romans, right? They <laughs> they call they bring desolation right. and they call it peace. But what's 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 more and, and that comes back to like what's more important, peace or liberty, security or liberty. Um, you know, and, and that's a, that's, that, that is a personal discussion you have to have with your heart because, um, you can say, you know, I'm all for liberty, but you know, I'm going to force liberty. I'm going to force democracy on Ukraine. You can say I'm all for liberty. Um, but I'm, but I'm just going to stand up and yell, you know, at the school board meeting and do nothing because I love soap operas more than I love liberty. 
Well, but it also satisfies that, you know, it, it satisfies something in you. You were talking about, you know, the optimistic guy, I want to change the world. You go to a school board meeting, you stand up and you yell, there's only two genders. Well, we all know that. And you know also that nothing you're saying is being, is being taken seriously. You might go viral and that makes you feel really good, right? And, you know, the local news might be like, we're talking to John Smith and what he said. Great. And you might on your Facebook group, you're going to be the hero. But you're also going to drop your kid off there tomorrow. Right. So shut up. Just shut up. Just just admit that you're an actor, a hypocrite. Just admit it. It's cool. I mean, you get to choose what you want to do, but don't claim that you're really making a difference because if you were really so offended, you wouldn't put your kid on the bus tomorrow morning and guess what you're going to do? Put your kid on the bus tomorrow morning. So shut up. Right. Until you bring them home, don't because you're not, man, you've got to understand the billions and billions of dollars that are being used to bribe schools in every state. And you don't have that kind of money, man. Yep. And, and so and just forget about that and bring your kids home and take, I mean, at the end of the day, Mike, if you're a religious person and you believe that God sent those children to you as a gift, everybody's like, oh, it's such a gift from God. I agree. Okay. Well, someday you're going to sit down with God and he's going to be like, so you got those gifts I sent you. Oh. Mike just went dead. Oh, you're back. So, so, Didn't so this happen last time. Are you, Mike, can, can you hear me? me? I'm going to stay on. All right. I'm going to, can hear me. But anyway, I, people will say, you know, God will say, what'd you do with those gifts I gave you? And then, uh, you have to say, I dropped them off to strangers who taught them at, you know, seven years old, how to have sex. And that's what I, and then, I I did that, and God's gonna be like, "Was that the best use? Could you not have?" Well, yeah, but we needed vacation. Did you expect us not to have vacation? I don't know. I didn't really command that. I did command you to bring up your kids in righteousness. I don't remember commanding you to go to Disneyland, but you know, whatever. You are so right, brother Wolverton. You are right on. <laughs> Preach, brother. No, I let, let's finish up here, and and you know, this is his farewell. Because that's what happened this week. This was their farewell letter. Um, and uh, I definitely want to have you back on to talk about more of their letters we've done. I think this is the third letter that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. So let's do some more. But yeah, for um, sure. since this is their farewell, this will you share like a little bit of their legacy? Like um, I know how important they were to the founders, um, but, but but let's revive them a little bit today. What 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 were what is the legacy of Trencher and Gordon and these Cato's letters? Well, I mean, I think, and and I and I not self serving because I'm not going to get paid. But if you go over to the the New American and read the article I did, uh, trying to see what date it was, um, June 29th, and I'm you know the title of the article that I wrote was Trenchard and Gordon more influential on the founding fathers than John Locke, but you've never heard of them. And that literally is true. They were more influential than John Locke. John Locke's influence has been way overblown because it happened to be something that, you know, a professor said that got popular. But 
Trenchard and Gordon, I mean, you have historians, Mike, that say, had there been no Cato's letters, there would have likely been no war for independence because it was the courage of Trenchard and Gordon to write the things they were writing. Now, mind you, these were published. The last one was 1723. Right, that's 52 years before Battle of Lexington and Concord. Okay, 52 years. I don't know, what's 52 years ago from now? Like 1970, 1971? That's like you saying something written in 1971 made me want, well, now we're going back 300 years to make us want to do something. But their letters were reprinted in every newspaper from you know savannah to boston every one of them would reprint their letters um they were collected very early in volumes that you could get the founding fathers i mean you've got benjamin franklin saying i would recommend reading sydney trenchard and gordon and harrington for to teach kids how to write if we want to teach kids how to write have them study the best writers and he mentions them. And the number of times our founding fathers referred to Trenchard and Gore. You I mean, it's in the it's just all the time. You know, Cato this and Cato that and Trenchard and Gordon this and Trenchard, they just loved them. Like and the that, entire the entire uh, American experiment is really infused with the blood of of you know the 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 um uh intellectual blood uh, let me say it that way of trenchard and gordon Do yeah you, i mean i just fair? saw the yeah the quotation that i have from forrest mcdonald i mean no one's going to argue that that guy is not a legit you know mainstream historian and he's like cato's letters was the most quoted book in all the americans pre-revolutionary writings you wouldn't know that from the attention they get because nobody knows who they are today and so i mean you you find a history teacher that knows who Trenchard and Gordon is and you you found yourself a, a gem. And, you know, they were the most popular, the most quotable, esteemed source of political ideas in the colonial period. I mean, that's Clinton Rossiter, another mainstream guy. And, Mike, the thing is, once you get into it, if you, for no other reason... Because I found them because I wanted, I found their names repeated when I was studying the the writings of the founding fathers. And I'm like, I have no idea who Trenchard is, who Cato is. And I'm like, I got to find this out. So I found them that way. But once I found them, I just, you know, just adore what they wrote because it just fired me up. And I, and I think that would be the experience of anyone. Even if you only have the interest of, okay, let's see what these people said that would have fired up our founding fathers. I, I don't really care one way or the other, but let's see what they were reading. Then you will instantly see not only how it fired up our founding fathers, but why nobody knows them today. Right. And, because and I, you don't want people that want to keep you <laughs> ignorant, do not want to read, do not want you reading books telling you how these people are trying to keep you ignorant. Right. And, and as a, just added testimonial, as somebody who came to this information later in life, 
you know, with a, that didn't learn it in college, didn't learn it in high school, you know, <clears throat> was in my forties when I first started reading this, it is worth it. It is, it is a breath of fresh air. It's cool water on a hot day. You know, you will feel grounded and you will, you will, I think, um, again, I, I for me, it, it, it just made me feel great to know, like, I am being gas- gaslit. Like mm-hmm. society is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm not a, a an idiot. You know, I'm not, I'm not crazy. And I think, um, I think other people will really will, will have that same um, experience that I did. I mean, if you sincerely go just looking to, maybe you don't even want to learn from them, but maybe you just want to learn what they said. You, if you have a sincere heart, you will instantly be converted to a fan of Cato's letters. And and one of the things they said in their last letter that, you know, they say throughout their letters, ultimately, whether what they said was true, false, good, or bad, will be judged by the same God that will judge those magistrates and whether their actions were true, false, good, or bad. And so ultimately they close and said, we will leave it up to almighty God to decide if what we said was true and it is he and he alone who will decide the fate of everyone on every side of political questions. Amen. Dr. Wolverton, Joey, my friend, thank you again for being on and of love remains. I love doing it, man. You're the best one. This is so good. Let's, um, um, you can find his work, check out his podcast on YouTube, teacher of Liberty, check out his writing, the new American.com. Um, check out his books, the founder's recipe. Um, what other books are, are we, uh, what, are degree we out today, what degree, what of, degree madness? of madness? Yeah. Founder's recipe is on sale, man. 20% off it. Every time it busts through the top 1000, it, it goes 20% off. So right now it's like, Instead of being 60 bucks, it's like, I don't know, 40 something, 42. Oh, go get it, um, man. Oh, podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mike is gone. You are listening to End of Love Remain. First of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. Trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization to God. Thank you.